Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Who I am, my name is JJ, and alongside my wife Liz, we have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Journey. And if you didn't know that, then that means you're a first-time guest, and we want to uh, welcome you. If you are uh, looking for a home church, uh, we believe that you've uh, found it, and it's a big deal that you visited us. And so, Journey, I know we did this once already, but can we show them just how glad we are that they're with us? Would you put our hands together for all of our first-time guests? Yeah. Thank you for being with us. It's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so, listen, if it's all right, I want to go straight into the, uh, the, the message today. It's, it's going to be a good one. It's, uh, I've got five points today, and that's a problem because I usually have three, and I never get to the third. And so today I've got five, and, and, and first service we got out in time, and so we'll see if we can do that uh, today. This is going to be our, our final standalone sermon for a while. Next week, what is a standalone sermon? Well, typically we preach our messages in, in collections or series, we call them, sermon series. It's like Netflix, you know, episode one, episode two. And uh, we usually do them about four weeks long. And, and uh, we haven't been doing many series lately because we wanted to stay flexible to what was happening in your life. The reality is this world, man, it is shifting so fast and so quick. And we wanted to bring messages that speak to you what kind of where you are. And uh, sometimes the problem with planning so advanced is that your plans and God's plans, hello, somebody, <laughs> don't always line up. Um, but uh, next week, we're going to get back into a series. It's called How's the Family? How's the Family? And if you've got family, or even if you think you don't, uh, this series is going to be a benefit to you. You're going to want to come, and you're going to want to come and bring your family. And this is going to be about restoration. It's going to be about forgiveness. It's going to be about mending wounds. It's going to be about raising up a family to serve the Lord. What do you do if you're a parent and your kids don't serve Jesus? All these things. And you're praying for them, but they're doing, just living a wild life. And I think this is going to bless you. Um, but today, uh, today is going to be a standalone sermon. And I must admit, I did not have the topic of this sermon uh, picked out in advance. Like I said, we usually schedule a year in advance, but I really only settled on this topic on, on Tuesday, if you can believe it, uh, Tuesday. And, and I don't mean that like, like I'm a late preparer. Like that's not my vibe. Like I, I very much prepare in advance, but I, I think it was just, God just threw me for a loop. And I, and I believe what he wants to share with you today is, is from his heart to yours. It was so random. It has nothing to do with renovate. We've been talking about renovate for a while. It's got nothing to do with families, um, but I think when you hear the title of it, it's for somebody. It's for somebody. God's going to do something special in your life today. Here's the title of today's sermon, The Answer to Temptation. The Answer to Temptation. And here has been my, this has been my prayer. I believe that today that God is going to break some things in your life that you have been wrestling with and struggling with your entire life. There's going to be some, some addictions that you've been holding on to for a long time, some things that you don't want in your life, things that have been promising to give you but really have been taking way more than they've given. Um, I believe it's going to be the end of a lot of that today. God's going to start the process of healing and restoration. If you believe that, say amen. 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 You know, one of the reasons, and I'll just start this sermon off by talking about my own addictions um, and my own issues. One of the reasons why we want to do a family series Next Sunday is because uh, how many people know that our family hands down a lot more than just a last name? Oftentimes, we inherit things that we didn't want, but that we got because our parents uh, had them. 
uh, our families shape us more than we know. Um, and uh, I know for me, I just realized this the other day, uh, I have a lot of cousins, y'all. Uh, a lot of cousins. Uh, to put it in perspective, my mother is one of, how many? I forgot, first servant, one of nine. My dad is one of 11. So if you're keeping count, that's 20. 20 aunts and uncles and, uh, and, and then all the kids that they have. And it just hit me. It just hit me recently when I realized how many aunts and uncles I have and how many cousins I have. My family, like both my dad's side and my mom's side, my grandparents on both sides, they like, they really love sex. <laughs> they do. Um, because because that's a lot of kids. Uh, and, and it's not just the healthy kind. Like, you know, I think unhealthy kind is, as well. My dad was over the house yesterday. He just shared some, some crazy stuff that happened to him when he was 11, uh, 12 years old. And then on both sides of my family, both grandparents, there's a history of infidelity, adultery. I mean, I have 20 uncles and aunts that I know of. Um, and so that's just the truth. It's just the truth. Um, and, and so it would, it would be no a surprise to you or to me, it shouldn't have been, when I was introduced to pornography as an 11-year-old from a cousin of mine who was close to me in the family. And that, because of my family history and because of the opportunity, led to an addiction that I carried for almost 20 years, all over 20 years. And it was something that stole a lot from me over the years. It stole a lot from my, my life, stole a lot from my marriage, it stole a lot from my ministry. And I think that everyone in this room on some level can relate to that. I think at some level, everybody in this room has something in their life that has been there a long time that they wish was not. And it's different for everybody, you know. For some people, it's big things that nobody knows about. For others, it's, it's small things that everybody knows about. For some people, let's, let's call it what it is, it's, you know, it's alcohol for some people. It's nothing wrong with having a drink every once in a while. That's totally fine. But for some of you, it's, it's not every once in a while. It's every day, and it's multiple times a day, and it's a problem. Um, for others, it's not alcohol. Maybe it's some type of substance abuse. It could be painkillers. You know, you were prescribed the, the painkillers after the surgery, um, but when the pain went away, you just kept taking them because at this point, you're, not, you're no longer trying to numb the pain in your body, but trying to numb the pain in your soul. And so, so painkillers are, are, are your deal. Um, for others, it's something as simple as eating. You know, most people stop at Krispy Kreme when the hot and ready light is on, but, but you be Uber eating, you know. <laughs> you be door dashing your Krispy Kreme, you know, and then saving them and storing them like for the apocalypse. And like you just, you love food and you, you love sugar. And even though you're full, you continue to eat because the, the void inside of... Of your, of your soul, it's not a void of food, you know, it's a, a void of peace, but you're trying to fill it with the food. For others, it's gambling, you know, you got, a, you got started on DraftKings and FanDuel, and it was, it was free to play in, in, in the beginning. You know, now we're three weeks into the football season, you lost $300, and your wife has no idea where the money is. You're wrestling with gambling. For some people, it's lying. Um, you're addicted to lying. You used to lie to get out of trouble. Now you just lie because it's fun. And the problem with it is that the lies, in order to cover them up, require more lies. And now you've gotten to the point in your life where you cannot even tell the difference 
between what is true and what is a lie yourself. It's becoming a, a problem. For others like me, one in, one in every four statistics say it's a sexual addiction. For others, it's spending. Yeah, you ain't got no money. But we would never tell that by taking a look at your closet or your app store. You, you, got a, you, you got a stimulus check earlier this year, and you did not use it to pay down debt. No. You did not. That stimulated something, but it was not your savings account. You used that money as a down payment to get into more debt. And it's a problem. For some people, it can be as small as your cell phone. You are addicted to your cell phone. You, you, you suffer from what scientists call phantom vibrating syndrome. You know what it is. You just be walking down the street, what the, but nothing happened. You just keep going for it. Did it ring? Did somebody call me? Nobody called you. Chill out. Your phone dies, you're out, and your, God forbid your phone dies while you're out. It's a full-blown anxiety attack because you need to stay connected. You are addicted to the phone. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, if that's you, I've got some good news for you this afternoon. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. God, we can plant right there. We can just, we can just alter call right there. He is faithful. In other words, when we make bad choices, he's still going to be there. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. Come on, somebody say a way out. A way out. Come on, church online, put it in the chat. A way out. A way out. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure. I want to encourage you today and let you know that there is a way out of the addiction. There is a way out from the consistent giving in to the temptation. And I want to share a quick story to tell you what I think that way out is. Raise your hand if you've ever participated in an escape room. An escape room. Raise your hand if you've ever been in one. Those can be fun. Can be. Uh, can also be torture. And uh, I remember the first time I went into an escape room, I didn't know how it worked. Now, if it's your first time in the escape room, you have to understand that you're not just escaping from the first room. There's like three rooms. And you got to escape from the first room into the second room, into the third room where you get the code for the main door to get out. Well, this was my first time doing the escape room. And so I was with some friends, and they did it, and they got the code. And the friend went to the exit, and he started putting in the code as a number, and he tried to get out. And I'm like, bro, I don't think the code is for that door. He's like, how do you know? I'm like, because we only been here eight minutes, and the, the, the game is for an hour. And so either we are freaking geniuses, okay, or we're missing something. And he goes, no, 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 this is the code. And then he takes his hand because he swears he's got the right code. The door won't open. He, he, the, the, the knob will move. And then he starts, boom, boom, boom. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, it's stuck. He's like, this is the code. It starts breaking it down. Boom, boom. And then finally, over the loudspeakers, there's a speaker. The person comes in. He says, sir, that is not the code. Please refrain from putting pressure on the door. That is not the code, sir. Back up. And I only share that story with you to make a point about temptation. I think a lot of people think, if I just have the strength, I can push through it. If I just have the willpower, I can, I can beat it. If I just have the discipline, then I can physically, mentally, emotionally overcome this. But I want you to know you will never find a way out in your own strength. 
You don't get out with strength. You get out when you find the right answer. You escape. The escape from temptation is not in self-discipline. The escape from temptation is in the right answer. How do I know? Because Jesus was a model of temptation and a model of overcoming temptation. The devil tempted Jesus in the desert three times. The first time, he said, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus did not rebuke the devil. He didn't say, in the name of me, get out. He didn't drop kick the devil. You know what he said? He said, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. In other words, he didn't push the devil. He didn't kick the devil. He gave the devil the right answer. Then they took him to the top of a mountain, and the devil said, I will give you the entire world if you want it. It's been given to me, so I'll give it to you if you give me the right answer. And, 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 and if, you, if you just worship me, if you worship me, and, the devil, and Jesus said, it is written that we must only worship the Lord alone. Once again, he didn't fight his way out of temptation. He didn't rebuke his way out of temptation. I believe in devils. I believe in demons. But he didn't cast out devils or demons. He simply had the right answer. You will overcome temptation when you find the right answer. This is why in John 8, it says, the devil was a murderer from the beginning. We're going to go to the beginning in a second. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. In other words, you speak English. Some of y'all speak Spanish. Others can speak Mandarin. The devil speaks lie. Like it's his only language. It's the only thing he can speak. For he is a liar and the father of lies. This is why I mentioned this. If the devil can only speak lies and the devil is the one tempting you, then that means vis-a-vis logic that every temptation is founded on a lie. Aha. Maybe that's why in John 8, 31 through 32, it says, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will. Aha. So we are free, not by our own strength or our power or our discipline. We are free. Well, we can identify the lie that is the foundation of the temptation and respond to it with the answer that is the truth found in God's word. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to this liar's origin because I believe that in the story of Adam and Eve, because the Bible says that he's been lying since the beginning, we're going to find five lies that the devil tells humanity. He told them then and he's telling them to you now. And we're going to call them out. We're going to give you the right answers to the test. Come on, this is an open book test, somebody. I'm going to give you the answers to the test. And again, I'll say it, my hope, my faith, the thing I've been praying for this morning is that at the end of this service, there's going to be freedom. It's going to be deliverance. It's going to be change. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say You must not eat from any, someone say any, Any. put it in the chat, any, because this is significant. You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did not say you must not eat from any tree. He just said you can't eat from the tree that's in the middle and you must not touch it or you will die. Please do not miss the tactic of the enemy. He tried to get the the woman to focus on the one thing God said she couldn't have so that she wouldn't pay attention to all the things that God had given her. She had a garden full of trees, 
a garden full of fruit, and the enemy had to take her eyes off of that onto the one thing he said that 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 woman could not have. Because this is the lie. You do not have what you want. You do not have what you want. You have to understand that this is always the devil's opening move on the chessboard of life. He will always try to create a deficit in your life. Because if he can create a deficit in your life, then the deficit will give birth to desire. Then the desire will sway your decision. But it all starts by getting you to look at the one thing you don't have. And what makes this lie so powerful is that it's partially true. You don't have everything you want. You don't have a private jet. Your car would not be featured on Pimp My Ride. It would be featured on Pray For My Ride. (laughs) You are not married. You are single. All those things are partially true. But here's the thing about a sentence that is partially true. Anything that is partially true is 100% a lie. And so when the devil comes in your corner and he says, you do not have what you want, that's the lie. Give him this answer. But I have what I need. But I have what I need. You're right. I might not have what I want, but I have what I need. You know, my dog, he's, he, my dog, Blue, he's a Boston Terrier. He's very selfish, very, very selfish. Uh, he has his own toys, and every time he plays with his toys, he loves that. But if my other dog, Honey, has a toy, he will leave his toys to go take her toy. He's a bad dog. It's one of those I was talking about last week in the sermon. He's, he's going to hell. That dog. He's a bad dog, bad dog, bad dog. Uh, there was only one season of my dog's life that I can remember him being unselfish not giving in to the temptation of stealing Honey's toys. And it was when we had to get them, you know, fixed that they gave him a dog cone. Have you seen one of those? In the beginning, it was kind of sad because he couldn't even play with his own toys because every time he would go down and pick it up, the the cone would hit the floor. So he'd be like, I was like, you are nothing if not persistent. I love you, bro. But eventually, he figured out a way to scoop the toy (laughs) with the cone. And, he fit. And, and the whole time he had that cone on, you know, he never tried to take Honey's toys once. At first, I thought that the neutering had, uh, you know, changed his personality. I was like, yeah, I'd, I'd be humble too. If, <laughs> if, after, if that took place in my life, I'll tell you what, I, I would never be the same again. Turns out, we took the cone off. He went right back to stealing her toys. You know why he wouldn't take her toys? Because the cone took away his peripheral vision. And he could not desire what he did not see. Are you ready for this? Temptation is not a feeling. It's a focus. And if you focus on what you don't have, you will always be tempted. But if you choose to focus on the whole garden, y'all, what God has already given you, that is the answer to finding your way out of desire. And so what will you focus on? You're going to focus on the fact that you don't drive a Rolls Royce? Are you going to focus on the fact that you got a roof? You're going to focus on the fact that you don't make six figures? Are you going to focus on the fact that you make five? 
when there are people living on the street right now, you make five figures. What you going to focus on? That woman in the explore page of your Instagram, that model who has been airbrushed and photoshopped. Are you going to focus on that airbrushed Photoshop model? Or are you going to focus on that woman in your life who has been that wife, who has been the model of mercy, the model of patience, the model of forgiveness, the model of second chances, the model of love, the model of compassion, the model of trust? Oh, you got way more than you think you have. Don't let the devil convince you that you, you, that you need what you want. You have what you need. He's the God who promised to meet every needs. Second lie, Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. I love this. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Are you ready for the second lie? Here's the second lie. You will not die. <laughs> That's the second lie. I eat this food, you won't die. It's just one bite. Hey, it's just one drink. You won't die. It's just one look. You won't die. It's, it's just one dollar. You won't, you won't die. It's just one website. It's just one time. It's just one night. It's just one. You, you won't die. And in an essence, you know, the devil was right. But this is another partial truth because they did not die when they ate the fruit. They did not die right away. But years later, they ended up returning to the dust. When the devil tells you, you will not die, here's your answer. Yeah, but it's killing me slowly. It's, it's, it's killing me slowly. It's eating me up over time. You know, um, my, uh, my, my wife has converted our house into a, a natural home. By that, I mean everything is natural now. No chemicals. Um, it started with essential oils, and I was naive enough to let those in my house. But <clears throat> turns out they're just a gateway drug. Uh, now, now our home has gone 100% natural, and I started to find out in just the most unpleasant of ways. Like I was about to take a shower, and I was looking for a towel, and I grabbed this towel, and I was like, ooh, this towel doesn't smell uh, clean. So I said, babe, I said, this towel's not not clean. She said, oh, I just started using all natural detergent. I was like, okay, well, uh, we're gonna have to run this again. Cause uh, <laughs> she's like, yeah, cause the chemicals in detergent, they'll kill you. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we will watch this again. <laughs> it started there. Then I opened up my medicine cabinet. I got a new deodorant. I said, what's this? She says, this is all natural deodorant. That didn't work. I will <laughs> tell you right now. Natural deodorant, that's a lie. I don't know what chemicals are in the non-natural stuff, but that stuff works. Whatever's in the natural stuff. You don't see people going outside wiping their armpits with leaves. It don't work. But the kicker, the, 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 thing, the, the straw that broke the camel's back is I went into my dryer, and I go to the dryer and I, to pull out this blanket. Listen, I have this blanket that we've had. It's our bedtime blanket. We've had it. This is either going to be nasty or cute to you, but we've had that since the day we got married. We had this blanket. There's holes in it and stuff. We just keep it. We love it. We don't care. Um, and I want to go get it because I can't sleep without my blankie. And so I went. Spank <laughs> and I opened up the dryer. I, I, I grabbed the blanket and I get electrocuted. I get shocked by this blanket. I'm like, what is happening right now? I'm walking up the stairs, and, and, I, and I, I go to her. I go, babe, the blanket is electrocuting me. She goes, yeah, we stopped using dryer sheets. I'm like, what? 
Did you know that dryer sheets, like, I didn't know what they do. I just thought they made the clothes smell good. They actually suck up the static electricity. That's the technical term. They suck up the static electricity from, from, from all of your, your garments and stuff. And so she's like, yeah, because the chemicals in the dryer sheets. It's not, it's not natural. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I'm just going to bed. I got this blanket. The legs of my, the hair on my legs are like <laughs> sleeping in this bed. Everything is like, I feel like I'm in a, like a magnet, you know, just like, it's crazy. She told me this. She woke up in the middle of the night to go use the bathroom. She came back to bed in the morning. She told me, babe, you're right. I went to go use the bathroom and I came back and I saw a spark. And she, when I came, I'm like, you see? See? Listen, for all of the jokes I'm making, by the way, this is all true, for all of the jokes that I'm making, I got to admit, there's one thing I appreciate about my wife and all of her efforts. She understands that some things don't kill you right away. That some things kill you slowly. They kill you slowly. You might not die right away when we give into temptation, when we make that poor choice, but your integrity will. And then once your integrity dies, your peace will die. And then once your peace dies, your mental health will die. And then once your mental health dies, your joy will die. And then after your joy dies, your relationship with God dies. And I need to be very clearly about the relationship with God part. It isn't that sin or temptation or poor decisions make God love us any less. He loves us all the same. It's that sin, temptation, poor decisions make us love God less. We end up walking away. It kills us slowly, but it also works in opposite. If poor decisions, sin, and temptation kill slowly, guess what good decisions do over time? I got to give my wife props. At least she's consistent. Not only are there all natural stuff in my house, but she has always been the vitamin woman. Our, our medicine cabinets are full of vitamins, and she will ask me every day of my life, did you take your vitamins? And God forbid somebody gets sick in the house. I got sick the other day. She's like, did you take your vitamins? I was like, I think I missed one in May. She's like, that's why you got sick. That's why you got sick. You missed that one? That's why you got sent? You trying to kill us here? Take the vitamins. I'm like, oh. I'm just saying. It's not just temptation that happens over time. But transformation happens over time too. It's not just one vitamin. It works the other way. Just one more Sunday. Just one more small group. Just one more prayer. Just one more Bible verse. Just one more worship song. Come on, just, just one more offering. Just one more, one more praise to God. Just one more and God will change you and transform you over time. One more therapy session. One more day off. God can do it in your life. The third lie is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5 through 6. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Please catch that, knowing good. This was the offer. Good, good, good. And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, not bad, good. Good for food and pleasing, pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Are you seeing the offer? It's not bad things. These are good things. She took some and ate it. Now, this is an advanced tactic of the enemy. It's a lie, but it's not framed like a lie. The enemy knows since you are too smart to do wrong, he will try and make wrong look right. Notice the woman said, it's good, it's good, it's good. In other words, here's the lie. Justify it. Justify it. We got to make this right. My job doesn't pay me enough anyway. So I know I'm working security and I'm supposed to be paying attention for these next six hours, but Netflix, yes, please, thank you. Because they don't give me no benefits. They don't care about me. So I'm going to make my money back in other ways. I'm going to clock in a little early. I'm going to clock out a little late. I see those, that stapler. I like that stapler. I'm going to take that stapler. And, and the justification is, but this is what they owe me. This is, what, this is right, right? 
This is right. You know, my wife doesn't sleep with me anymore. She doesn't have sex with me anymore. She doesn't treat me with respect anymore. So that's why I had to leave to go get it somewhere else. If she was doing what she needed to do, then maybe I wouldn't have had to gone out. I mean, I'm a man and a man's got needs. So if I'm not getting these needs men at home, I mean, because, you know, people have died by not having sex. I mean, a whole wave of population of people have been killed because sex is oxygen. So if I don't do this, pastor, I'll die. Here's my, my favorite justification. It's cheat day. <laughs> I know I've been on this diet for a minute, but... But hey, I got to get those car. It's called carb, carb loading. It's called carb ratioing. Carb, you know, it's, it's cheat day. Except cheat day turns into cheat weekend. Cheat weekend turns into cheat week. Cheat week turns into 2021 goals. <laughs> Turn this around next year. But here's the justification. But this year's mine. It's COVID. You know, I got to. It's COVID. Hey, and when the, when the devil tries to justify it, here's your answer. I will never escape what I excuse. <clears throat> you can make an excuse or you can escape, but you can't do both. You can't do both. My son Zane took a very expensive light from my room, put it in his room, <clears throat> ran around. The light fell, shattered all over the floor. Liz goes in there, asks Zane, says, what happened? First thing that comes out of Zane's mouth is, Mommy, it's not my fault. She's like, oh, no? Who's, who's, whose fault is it then? It's an alien. Did an alien come in here and knock this light down? Hmm? It's a Casper, the friendly ghost. Who was it? Lucifer. Who are you blaming this on? Legion? What happened? Who did this? She goes, no, no, you don't understand. It's not my fault. He said, and then he gave just the genius answer. He gave, what happened was, I didn't see why I was walking. Your, your child, you, you don't have kids. This is go, your kids will tell you things that make you think twice about your question. <laughs> have you been there? You're like, wait a minute. What? <laughs> he said, I didn't, I didn't see where I was going. And so, and so that was his excuse. But unless he owns it, unless he takes the, the failure as an opportunity to introspect on himself, he will never learn to watch where he's going. And if he's never going to learn where to watch where he's walking, then don't expect to stop falling. Don't expect for things to stop breaking. Can I say this with all the love in my heart to you as your pastor? I love you. I promise you I pray more for you than your mama. I promise you. I pray for you so much, but I got to tell it to you like this in a way that will help you. You got to stop making excuses for your poor choices. You can no longer blame it on your parents. You can no longer blame it on the house that you grew up in. You can no longer blame it on, on well, you know, this is, I've always been this way and I'll always be this way. You can no, this is going to hurt a little bit. You can no longer blame it on 2020. That, that excuse is done now. You're going to have to start taking ownership. Well, if, if you went through what I went through, if you had the husband I had, if you had the mother I had, if you had the friends I had, if you had the experience I had, then you would be in the same situation. That's fine. We can make excuses all day, but we will never escape while we excuse. Don't use your failure as an opportunity to make an excuse. Use your failure as an opportunity to make change.
Use your failure as an opportunity to learn a lesson. This is why we fall, guys. Not so that we can go to hell and God can point the finger. We fall so that we can learn how to watch where we're going and adapt and learn and live the best life ever right here. It's not just about heaven and hell, but right here, live your best life ever. Number four, the next lie is unique because sometimes we lie by what we say and other times we lie by what we don't say. Have you ever been there? Any, any husband who has ever answered the question, honey, how do I look? Or does this dress make me look fat? Or what do you think about my nails? Any husband who has ever answered this question knows that there's more than one way to lie. Because early on in your marriage, you, you said the truth. And it didn't go, go good. It didn't go good. So now you got a whole new answer. The answer is this. Learn, fellas, this is the answer. I love you no matter what you look like. Here, single people, fella, that's the answer. The only problem with the answer is that's not what she asked. <laughs> and it might work in year three or four, but about year nine or ten, I've, at least I found this is like, yeah, but how does it make me look? <laughs> and I'm like, dang it, this is not working. <laughs> the devil's lie here is not by what he told Adam and Eve, but by what he withheld. Because this is what he told them. This is good for you. This is going to make you wise. This is going to make you strong. This is going to make you like God. This is the lie. Are you ready? This only affects you. This only affects you. He's going to try and frame temptation in a way where it's just all about you, your pleasure, your, just you, 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 you. But here's what he left out. He left out what their decision would mean for the rest of humanity. He left out what their decision would mean for the world. He left out what their decision would mean for the children of Adam and Eve, for their kids. When the devil tells you this only affects you, here's your answer. My choices never affect just me. My choices never affect just me. Never affect just me. Last story about my kids. Justice was, um, Zane and Justice, Liz puts oil on their feet to help them rest. And goes, I don't know what the, is lavender or whatever she puts on them. And what is it? Lavender she puts on her feet. And we were watching a movie the other day, and this was like two days ago. And Justice is like, can you put the oil on my feet, mom? And then she's like, no, you can do it yourself because she wants them to grow up to be independent. We want them to grow up to be independent. But really, we just want less work <laughs> as parents. And so we're just like, you put on the oil yourself, you can do it. So the boys grab, Justice and they both grab Liz's oils that go upstairs. And like two minutes pass, and all of a sudden we hear, ah, ah, and then, it's in my eye. <laughs> mom, it's in my eye, mom. Mom, it's in my eye. It's in my eye. <laughs> to which we are just dumbfounded. We're like, how did you get an oil that is designed for your feet into your eye? He's like, you don't understand. I'm like, well, try me, because we are curious. This is more interesting than whatever we were watching. How, how did that happen? And then he goes, well, what happened was, I know I had to get it on my feet, so I laid down in the bed, and then back on my back, and then I put my foot up in the air, and I missed, Mom. I missed. I, missed. I tried to get it on my foot, but it got in my eye. It's in my eye, Mom. To which Liz responded, that's it. None of y'all using my oils ever again. <laughs> ever. None of you guys. Because you guys don't know how to use it. To which Zane replied, my other son, he said, whoa, whoa. What do you mean, you guys? 
I put the oil on fire. On my, he's the one who shouldn't be allowed to use oils anymore. I put this on fire. And then, and then we started talking. Listen, I was like, have you ever noticed that when one of them does something, we take the privilege away from all of them? <laughs> She's like, yeah. I'm like, should we start changing this consequence? She's like, no, it's too much work. I'm like, I agree. We're going to have to find some way to spiritualize this. And so I said, you know what? There's a reason why we're taking the privilege away from you too. Why? Because we want you to learn that every decision you make affects the people you love. Every decision you make affects the people you love. This is why you got to be so careful when you're finding a mate, right? Because you want to be sure that the person you entrust your heart to is somebody you can actually entrust your heart to. Because if they're not someone who you can entrust your heart to who will protect you, they will take your heart and by the decisions they make, break your heart. Have you ever met somebody who's dangerous to love? Have you ever met somebody who's dangerous to love that just by loving them and seeing the decisions that they make, poor choice after poor choice, poor person after poor person, bad decision after bad decision, and it just hurts you because you love them? Have you ever met somebody like that? Let me ask you a question. Is it safe to love you? Is it safe to love you? Or are the people in your life in danger? because of the choices you make. I can't tell you how many addicts I've set across from who said, well, I'm only hurting me. If that were only the case, you don't understand. You're hurting everybody who loves you. You're hurting everybody who loves you. Here's the good news. The principle also works in reverse. If my bad decisions and when I give in to temptation affects everyone around me, guess what happens when I make good decisions? I say no to temptation. Oh, it affects everyone around me. I told my wife the other day, I told my wife when, when I came out with all of my struggles and we, and we met, I said, babe, and let me tell you why I was able to overcome. And I don't want to get too much into the, just the pornography side of this because we're talking about temptation and as a whole. We'll cover pornography as an issue just in a sermon by itself when we do our Love, Sex, and Marriage series in February. But I told her, first off, you know what, what caused this change in me is, you know, the mercy of God, just the Holy Spirit, your forgiveness, your mercy, the way you took me in helped me out. And the third thing, the reason why I don't think I can ever go back to this is I don't want my kids to wrestle with this. I told her, I said, I can't guarantee what struggles they will have when they grow up. I don't know, but I promise you this. They might struggle with finances. They might struggle with lying. They might struggle with, with alcohol. They might struggle with drugs. I don't know. But this, this, this will not be one thing that this ends with me. This ends with my generation. This ends with me. Sex was an issue. Sexual addiction was an issue for my grandfather, for my great-grandfather, for my father, but not me. This ends right here in the name of Jesus. We break every chain. We come across the end of all temptation in this area. We just declare freedom. I want you to know right now, you need to be able to have the faith to declare it. I wrestled with it. My mom wrestled with it, but my daughter will not wrestle with this anymore. I got to beat the battle. Guys, you got to beat it, not just for you, but for your kids. Lastly, this is the last lie. This is the last lie, and it's a, it's a doozy. And this lie didn't take place in the garden, but it actually took place on the way out of the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, and placed on the east side of it a cherubim. A cherubim is a, an angel with a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. It's important to know that 
This wasn't God's way of ending the relationship between God and humanity. He was just saying, you can no longer have access to this tree because eternal life is not something that you can no longer earn. This is going to be given to you through my son, Jesus Christ. So this wasn't God like, I don't want to deal with you anymore. He was with them the entire time. But I can't imagine what Adam and Eve were thinking on their way out. Or better said, I can imagine what the devil was telling them as they walked out of the Garden of Eden, paradise. Here's what I think they were being told on the way out. I think they were talking to themselves and saying, I think the enemy was telling them, you will never come back to this place. In other words, this is the lie of the enemy. You will never. You will never. And I had to do dot, dot, dot because you need to fill in the blank. You will never overcome this struggle. That's a lie. You will never be free again. You will never have the life that you envisioned for yourself. You will never. See, you have to understand the cycle of temptation. There's three parts to it, and it's so crazy because it's the devil at each part, the same voice, but he tells you three different things. The first time the devil tempts you, he goes like this. He says, do it, do it, do it, do it. That's temptation. After he says, do it, do it, do it, guess what he says next? Accusation. I can't believe you did it. Isn't that crazy? The voice that told you, do it, do it, a second ago, is now telling you, I can't believe you did it. And then once he tells, I can't believe you did it, then he comes in, not with temptation or accusation, he comes in with deception. And this is the deception. You will never stop doing it. You will always be a slave to this struggle. But if we keep reading, Revelations chapter 22, verse 14. Don't put it on the screen yet. Don't put it on the screen yet. <laughs> Surprise. Because in Genesis, it looks like that. In Genesis, it looks like we're never going to overcome. We're never going to make our way back to the garden. We're never going to have what God promised us. But if you just keep reading, and let me tell you what happens as you read. There's a lot of up and downs in this biblical history. There's times when it looks like the people of God are doing great, and there's times when it looks like the people of God are about to die. There's a lot of ups and downs. I said there's a lot of ups and downs. I said there's a lot of ups and downs. Does that sound familiar? A lot of ups and downs. Sometimes I'm up. Sometimes I'm down. Sometimes I look like I'm winning the war. Sometimes I look like I'm losing the war. Ups and downs. Ups and downs. But if you make it to the very end, after all the ups and downs, look what the Bible says in the very last chapter. Revelations chapter 22. You can put it on the screen now. How blessed are those who wash their robes. That's those who put their trust in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The tree of life, the one they thought they'd never get back to, is theirs for good. And they'll walk through the gates to the city. Come on, somebody. They left a garden, but they came back to a city. Are you ready for the truth? Here's the answer. When the devil tells you, you will never. Here's the answer. The answer is, if I don't quit, I win. If I don't give up, I win. If I just keep fighting, I win. If I just keep pushing, I win. If I keep declaring the answers, I win. A couple of months ago, there was a, a challenge. This guy gave out $25,000. If you can keep your finger on his app the longest. Yeah, $25,000. This happened just a few months ago. And the app was so smart, you had to keep moving your finger or else.
Her name was Chuck. It knew that you were a, a robot. And so, or that you made a robot. Hopefully nobody hears a robot. So you move your finger. Hundreds of thousands of people played. After 70 hours, there were only seven left. Had their finger on the, on the app. $25,000. All of a sudden, he started reaching out to the seven people. He said, I'll give you $4,000 if you let go right now. They said, no. So I'll give you $5,000 if you let go right now. He said, no. So I'll give you $7,000. This is a true story. You can Google it. I'll get because everything on Google is true. If you, if you let go, I'll give you $7,000. Three people let go at $7,000. Only four remained, and they would not let go. Eventually, he called all those four people up and said, hey, enough is enough. Y'all all get the prize. I need you to rethink temptation. Temptation is not the devil trying to get you to sin. Not because sin is unimportant, but because Jesus died for your sin already. Temptation is not trying to get you to sin. Temptation is trying to get you to... Ah, uh, yeah, because as long as you hold on to Jesus, you win. And so, here's the question. Here's the question. Not do you sin. We all sin. And we got to get better. And God's helping us with that. But the real question is, will you let temptation, will you let sin make you let go? And here's the answer. Don't let go. Because if you don't quit, you win. And so let me say this right now. There are some people here, you used to hold on to Jesus. You used to have a relationship. But because of poor choices, we've let go. And God brought you to church today with a message. You might have let go of me, but I never let go. I'm still here. And if you want, I'm right here. Just come back. Just hold on to me. I'm ready. I can give you a second chance. I can give you another opportunity. Is that you today? Did you let go of Jesus sometime a while back? And now you're ready to come back and hold on and restart that relationship. Maybe you've never had a relationship with him at all. He's right here. Let him hold on to him. He'll help you overcome the secrets, the temptation, the sin, the hidden stuff. If you just come to him, every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for you first. And then I'll have another prayer. But if that's you and you're in this room today, and by the decisions, choices that you've made in life and you just find yourself in a dark place. Addiction's got a nasty hold of you and Jesus is, you let go. Years ago, you let go. Sometime during COVID, you let go. You want to get, hold back on. Man, this morning is your opportunity. So every head bowed, every eye closed, a moment of privacy. If that's you, when I count to three, if you want to stretch out your hand and hold back on to Jesus, then when I say three, I want you to raise your right hand to the sky as a signal and a sign. I need you, Jesus, in my life. All over this building. That's you. You hear me. Your heart's beating because you know it's time for change. You know, Jesus is the only way. He's the way out. He's the way out. He's that exit sign in the back of the room. If that's you, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand to God. I need you, Jesus, in my life. I'm tired. I need to hold on to you. I'll come back to you. Are you ready? All over this room is your opportunity. One. Two. All over this room, it's time to kick temptation to the curb and come back to Jesus. One, two, three. Right now, shoot that right hand up to the sky. Come on, I see that hand. One, two, three, four, five, 
six, seven, eight, nine. Come on, put your hand down. I want you to pray this prayer with me. And worship team, I want you to pray it with me too. Church, let's not leave them hanging. If you raise your hand, pray this prayer. Even if you didn't, pray this prayer. Father God. Come on, say it. Father God. Some time ago, I let go. But today, I'm coming back home. Today, I'm holding on. I can't promise I'll be perfect. But I do promise that I will do my best to never let go again. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for the nine people. Welcome home to the family. We hope you've enjoyed this message, and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.